Hello, everybody, and welcome inside the What You Need to Know podcast. I am Tyson Ewing, play-by-play voice of Utah women's basketball, and I'm joined by my radio analyst, Miley Anger. This is the What You Need to Know podcast that focuses on all things University of Utah women's basketball. We'll take an in-depth look at what's going on in the program. All right, so we have discussed the off-season moves that Utah has made so far. I don't foresee anything really drastic changing. So what we'll do today is we're going to talk about the rest of the Pac-12. Today's episode is not necessarily Utah-centered. In a way it is because this is the conference that Utah will compete in to try to win a Pac-12 title. won't be easy, but we want to discuss what's happened in the offseason so far to this point in the Pac-12 as a whole. Now, Miley, let's go back to last week. As we discuss those off-season moves, I'm interested in knowing what you have been most impressed with as far as Utah's off-season goes to this point. I'm excited that a majority of Utah's returners are coming back. We didn't think Drew was going to be coming back next year anyways, so we were looking to replace that point guard position with possibly Inesh or another guard, but... We are returning a good chunk of this Utah core, which is exciting because they had a terrific run in the Pac-12 tournament. They made it to the NCAA tournament, and they're bringing back almost everyone. And then we have the two additions of Alyssa Peely and Nene So, which it'll be interesting to see how they play out and fit inside the program. We haven't seen Nene play any games, but we've seen Alyssa Peely play, and she will be a great addition to the program. So the way today's episode will work out, we'll kind of break it up into three different segments. We'll talk about the Pac-12 news first. Then I want to get into the transfer portal. I'm really interested to get your thoughts on the transfer portal and kind of how it's played out. And then we'll end with the incoming freshmen. The Pac-12 conference is going to be very freshman heavy with terrific freshmen. So we'll get into that. So those are those three segments. The first segment we want to talk about, the Pac-12 news. And where we want to start is all the way back. During the Pac-12 tournament, Charlie Turner Thorne, after 25 years leading the Arizona State Sun Devils, has decided to step down and is retiring. So she is now entered into that retiring phase, which left the door open for a new head coach at Arizona State. Now, Miley, 25 years leading Arizona State, you've been around the game of basketball your entire life. A coach who can stick with a program for 25 years is absolutely just phenomenal. It's it's incredible. I'd love to know your thoughts on the tenure of Charlie Turner Thorne. Being able to stay with the same program for 25 years and have a lot of success. I think being able to stay with a program for 25 years just speaks volume to the type of person that Charlie Turner Thorne is. She had a program, she had a university that backed her up and wanted her to stay, which I think is an important part of building a successful program. You gotta have that support coming through that university and that's exactly what she's had during the past 25 years that has allowed her to stay for this long and have a pretty good team throughout those years. So back on March 28th, Arizona State did name their new head coach. And I'm sure it was very, very strange territory for the Sun Devils seeing as it had been 25 years since they called in a new head coach. But for the first time since the year 1997, Arizona State named a new head coach, and it is Natasha Adair 
for the Arizona State Sun Devils. She comes to Arizona State via Delaware, where she led the Blue Hens for five seasons to a 95-58 and 58 record. She played at Pensacola Junior College before transferring to South Florida. She was a graduate of 1994. She was an assistant coach at Georgetown from 98 to 04 and at Wake Forest from 04 to 2012. I'm really interested to see what this new head coach brings to Tempe. We were just talking about it earlier today when we were looking up who the new coach is going to be, and you said that you are going to be excited for the non-quick and large substitutions that you're used to seeing (laughs) with Turner Thorne. So that will probably be adjusted just because a new coach is coming in and not many coaches play that quick in-and-out style of basketball. But again, a new coach brings new philosophies and could potentially bring in some new players with those that decide to leave following a coach's release and then a new coach bringing their players. So again, congratulations to Natasha Adair, the new head coach of Arizona State. I want to move on to a really, really cool award that was given out to the women's basketball team of Cal. A really cool moment took place when Oregon State hosted the Cal Bears on Senior Day, where senior Andrea Aquino, who has been struggling with health conditions since the moment she stepped foot onto Oregon State's campus, has just been dealing with so many injuries. Head coach for the Beavers, Scott Ruick, got with Sharman Smith, the head coach of Cal, prior to tip-off to let her know that they were going to be honoring Andrea Aquino that night. And the way that they did it is she won the tip-off and then was able to go and make a layup. Really, really cool moment to where the crowd was boisterous. A very good crowd. Oregon State always has wonderful crowds on hand. But the crowd was boisterous. And it was just a really, really cool moment. Cal has won the 2022 Pac-12 Sportsmanship Award for that moment. I think that's a terrific award, and it's really amazing. Just because something similar like that, when I was in high school, my best friend, she tore her ACL twice, and she wasn't able to play her senior year. So during one of our last games, she actually got to go in and shoot some technical free throws and score her only points of the whole season and then as well started on senior night. So to see players allow for this to happen, just supporting other players is truly awesome. You really got to you know tip your cap to what the Cal program did right there. Sharman Smith deserves a lot of props for that. Of course, Scott Ruick was kind of the, the one that came to Coach Smith with this. And I really appreciate what Cal did in allowing uh, Aquino to enjoy this moment because she, I mean, she had so much promise. The number seven recruit out of high school coming into Oregon State, but then just dealt with so many health issues and was able to enjoy that senior day moment. So congratulations to the Cal Bears, the women's basketball team, for winning the Pac-12 Sportsmanship Award. All right, now back on April 11th was the 2022 WNBA Draft. A couple of names that you've heard throughout our broadcasts were mentioned in that WNBA Draft in the first round. So with the fifth pick in the 2022 WNBA Draft, the New York Liberty selected Niera Sabali out of Oregon. Now, Miley, she will be taking a medical year this year, so she's not on the floor this season. But it has to be pretty cool for Niera to be able to team back up with the great Sabrina Ionescu from Oregon. I remember talking to you about Niera because she did suffer through some injuries this past year and asked you if you thought she was good enough to go at number five. And you said, yes, definitely. And I just kind of questioned that just because I've only seen her play twice and she did battle through some injuries, but towards the end of her career and the end of her season, 
She took things into her own hands and kind of led that Oregon team, especially in the first round of the NCAA tournament, which they lost. She was tremendous in that game and didn't really have any help. So it'll be fun to see Niera team up with Sabrina. They already have chemistry at Oregon. And so it'll be fun to see what they can do with the Liberty. You know, I tell you, it's got to be pretty cool for the parents of Niera Sabali as well, because she becomes the second sister to enter into the league. Another top five draft pick because her sister, Satu, was the second pick in the 2020 WNBA draft, the Dallas Wings. So it's got to be pretty cool for their parents to be able to have two children in the WNBA, which we all know it's not easy whatsoever. We're going to talk about why in just a minute. It's not easy to join that league. I think it'd be a pretty big accomplishment just having two kids play in the Pac-12 at Oregon in a very high competitive conference. So to see their girls go from the Pac-12, which is the highest level of women's basketball that you could get, to the WNBA, which is where all the talent is, is pretty awesome. With the sixth pick in the 2022 WNBA draft, the Indiana Fever selected Lexi Hall from Stanford. Now, I remember when this pick happened, I was I was a little surprised at how high Lexi went, but she obviously has made the roster. She's currently playing right now for Indiana, not playing a lot of minutes to this point, but a very good defensive player and one that I feel will be able to make a difference at that next level. I actually played against Lexi during... AAU ball. So it's fun to see her kind of develop from when I played against her in the summer in high school to where she is now. I really enjoy watching Lexi just because she is a terrific role player. She was a terrific role player at Stanford. If they needed her to score, she took on that scoring role. If they needed her to guard one of the best players that they were playing against, she'd step up and fill that role as well. So I think Lexi, wherever she'll go, she'll be tremendous just because she is that unselfish player and willing to do whatever the team needs. And with the number eight pick in the 2022 WNBA draft, the Las Vegas Aces selected Maya Hollingshed from Colorado. Now this is where I want to bring up how difficult it is to make this league. WNBA only has 12 teams right now. There's very limited roster spots already. And you think about the players that have been around the league for a long time, You think about Diana Taurasi, you think about Sue Bird. Those ladies have been playing this game for a long, long time. They say they're not going anywhere anytime soon. What that does is that kind of halts new players who want a chance at making the league, halts them from coming in. Maya Hollingshed, unfortunately, was one of those players that got halted. Even though she was the eighth pick in the WNBA draft, she was waived by the Las Vegas Aces shortly thereafter and did not make a roster. So right now, not that it's impossible for her to still make a team because she has all the talent in the world. We've talked about this the entire year about how great she is. I still believe that she's a WNBA caliber player and she's going to make the league somewhere. But it's going to have to wait a little bit longer. But just again, so difficult to make this league when there's only 12 teams already. There's 12 teams, but then there's also only 12 spots. So like you said, when you have those players that have been in the league forever. There's not really a rotation or a new rotation of players coming in. So kind of sad to see Maya not make the team, although she was a first-round draft pick. There's three rounds in the WNBA draft. 12 get picked each round, so you get 36 players that are drafted, and very few actually get on a roster spot because there are not many spots available. So when we're discussing this, we decided that's why it's not uncommon to see the women in college stay for the four years, the five-year grad transfer, even the sixth-year COVID year, because they don't have anywhere else to go play. So they decided to stay in college and get as much education as they can. 
Now, what was really cool as well is following the WNBA draft, players were allowed to go to uh, the training camps for the different teams. Sam Thomas was invited to attend the Phoenix Mercury training camp, and Miley, she made the roster. She's currently on the Phoenix Mercury roster, and she was not drafted. So really cool that even though she was not drafted, Sam Thomas has now made a WNBA roster and is trying to make a name for herself at the next level. While Sam was at Arizona, she wasn't necessarily known as a scorer, but when Utah played Arizona this past year, she went 7 of 11 from the field, nailed six threes, and had 25 points. But more importantly, she's kind of known as that defensive player, the defensive stopper for Arizona. So with the time that she'll be getting in Phoenix, they'll probably more use her as that defensive player just because she was so elite guarding opposing players and stopping their best guards. Now, speaking to the players in the WNBA from the Pac-12 Conference, there are currently 20 WNBA players right now with Pac-12 ties. Five from UCLA, five from Stanford, three from Oregon, two from Washington, two from Arizona, two from Cal, and one from Arizona State. So 20 players currently in the WNBA that went to Pac-12 schools and are you know, making a name for themselves. Some key names that stick out on that list. Of course, if you want to speak about one of the greatest Pac-12 players that are still currently playing in the WNBA, you have to start with the LA Sparks and Neka Ogumake, who spent her days at Stanford this year, averaging 16.7 rebounds per game, former WNBA MVP. Back in 2016 and still making a name for herself with the L.A. Sparks. Her sister Chinny Agumake is also on that L.A. Sparks roster. So the Agumake sisters from Stanford making themselves quite a great name in the WNBA. When you speak of recent success, you have to start with Washington's Kelsey Plum. Miley, I was there the day that Kelsey Plum broke the all-time record for most points scored in a career at the collegiate level. And oh my gosh, I tell you what, that was so electric. You know what? Just for kicks and giggles, let's go ahead. I want to play that sound because I do think it's so awesome how she was able to break that record. She did it with 57 points against us that day. It was absolutely crazy. The place was going wild. I'm not going to lie, Miley. I was going a little wild. It was really, really cool. So how about we jump back in the time machine and go back to February 25th. 2017, when Kelsey Plum broke the all-time record for most points scored in a career in women's college basketball history. Welcome back inside the very loud Alaska Airlines Arena. Kelsey Plum has 53 points and has tied the all-time record for points scored in a career in women's history. Plum, step back, pump fakes the three-pointer, swings it right wing to McDonald. McDonald dribbles with the right hand, hands it back off to Kelsey Plum. She pump fakes the three, comes off the screen, drives the lane. The floater falls! She's got it! Kelsey Plum has just broke the all-time record for points in a career. Three-pointer off the mark. Beauclair with the rebound. Defensive foul. It's Prozen going to the line for two, but as we have a break, I'm sure they're going to announce that with that last bucket, Kelsey Plum's 55th point. She's moved into number one all-time in women's basketball history and scoring. So Kelsey Plum breaks the record. She's the number one overall draft pick by the then San Antonio Stars. They now are the Las Vegas Aces. She's their starting point guard and having herself a career year, averaging 18 points per game, shooting the three at a 47% clip right now. Kelsey Plum getting it done at the professional level. 
To build on the recent Pac-12 success, we got to jump to the New York Liberty where Sabrina Ionescu is averaging over 15 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, while shooting 44% and 35% from deep. So Sabrina, just as she dominated at the college level at Oregon, continues to make a name for herself with the Liberty after suffering some injuries in her first year coming out this season and really helping the Liberty. Now, unfortunately, the Liberty are struggling to this point, but it's really cool to see her team up um, with another Pac-12 player who just won the freshman of the year last year in Michaela Onyanwede, where Michaela's kind of taken a dip so far to begin this year, but I'm sure she'll be able to pick back up on that. And finally, another player that's made quite the difference, especially after an offseason trade, Jordan Canada, who spent her early days with the Seattle Storm, signed with the LA Sparks in the offseason. And so far to begin this year, having a career year, 12 points per game, five assists, two steals, shooting 46% in 28 minutes per game as a starter for the LA Sparks. So just a couple of names that really kind of uh, stick out to you when you think about Pac-12 success with women's basketball in the WNBA. All right, so that covers the news so far in the Pac-12 conference. Miley, let's get to a part that I'm really excited to discuss with you, and that is the transfer portal as a whole. Last week, we discussed about how the Utah Utes signed Alyssa Peely from that transfer portal, and the Utes, frankly, are not the only team that's benefiting from getting great talent from that transfer portal. So far, the Pac-12 has seen 49 transfers out of their current teams. 21 transfers in, and from those 21, 10 are interconference transfers. Those interconference transfers consist of Jade Lavelle, who transferred from Arizona to Arizona State, Peanut Tutele, who transferred from Colorado to Cal, Kemri Martin, who transferred from, as you know, Utah to Cal, Aaronette Vonley, who transferred from Arizona to Colorado, Taya Hansen, who transferred from Arizona to Oregon, Ben Duyaney, who transferred from Arizona to Oregon State, Coy Love, Arizona to USC, Taylor Bigby, Oregon to USC, we just talked about it, Alyssa Peely, USC to Utah, and finally, Delaya Daniels, Cal to Washington. I'm interested to know, Miley, of that list of 10, who do you think is going to benefit the most from transferring from within the Pac-12 to their new teams? We're going to jump into this a little bit later as well, but it'll be interesting to see how Jade Lavelle inserts herself into the Arizona program just because Arizona has lost eight players. So they're bringing in a whole new team for this next year. So Jade Lavelle will be one to watch as she probably will lead the Arizona team next year. I'm also interested to see how Kemry will contribute to the Cal program just because Kemry wasn't able to play this year because of injuries. And we didn't really get to see how her style of play fit into the new style of play that Coach Roberts and her coaches have implemented. Kemri will get a chance to bring her talents to the Cal Bears, which will be interesting to kind of follow, see how her game translates to that program. Now, obviously, I'm really excited and interested to see how Alyssa Peely fits into the Utah program. I think she's going to fit in super, super nicely. But a couple of really good transfers that I'm actually really excited about. How about Ben Duyaney from Arizona to Oregon State and Delaya Daniels from Cal to Washington? Uh, those two players I was very impressed with, especially this last season. Delaya Daniels is one that I, I, I love Delaya Daniels' game. I'm really excited to see how um, a defensive-minded head coach up in Washington is going to include 
include Delia Daniels. I assume she's going to be an integral defensive piece to that Washington team up there. And then Ben Duyaney can do pretty much anything with her athleticism. She's very strong as well, and I think she's going to fit in really, really nicely in what Coach Scott Ruick is doing up in Corvallis at Oregon State. Jumping from some key individuals, we're going to look at some of the teams and whose program and teams are going to look quite different next year. I already mentioned Arizona has eight players transferring out. We already mentioned three of the players, including Koilov, Arnett Vonley, and Bendu Yaney, who will be playing at another Pac-12 school. And then there's also five others. We also wanted to mention Colorado, which is losing six total players, including two in their starting five, which are... Lucila Finau and Peanut Tutele. The big one that we wanted to mention was the Oregon Ducks. They are losing three players of their Fab Five, their five-star recruits from 2020. Last year, one of the Fab Five players transferred to UCLA, Angela Dugalich. This year, three of those Fab Five are leaving in Kylie Watson, Maddie Shear, and Sydney Parrish. So Tyson, I just want to get your take. <laughs> How crazy is that? that you bring in this incredible top recruiting class in the country to only have now one of Tahina Pow Pow still at Oregon. Well, I think if you're asking me, they got the best one of the five to stay. I think Tahina Pow Pow has clearly been the greatest of those five players who, uh, like you said, five five-star recruits, all five of them won Gatorade Player of the Year in their respective states. I think Oregon did end up getting the best of the five to still be on their roster. Um, But it is crazy because that was such a huge story for the Oregon team. If I recall, Utah was the first team that actually played that Fab Five. We got blown out by that team in the 2020-2021 season. And so that was kind of the, the first initial reaction was that this team is going to be so, so good. Especially after Sabrina Ionescu had left. She goes to the draft. Ruthie Hebert goes to the draft. Satu Sabali goes to the draft. So they lose some very key contributors. And then they just retool with five five-star athletes. And honestly, I was a little bit terrified that Oregon was just going to continue this run. And no more than here we sit, you know, less than a year and a half later, talking about Four of those five gone from the team already. It is very crazy to me because that was supposed to be such a key class coming into Oregon. And they just, frankly, they just didn't really turn out. I mean, I'll be honest, last year's Oregon team was a disappointment. First round exit in the NCAA tournament. They got upset in the semifinals by, you know who, the Utah Utes in the Pac-12 tournament. Still, you'd look at that as a bit of a disappointment for what Oregon could have done. I'll move on to Oregon State because they lost two of their very key contributors in the paint. Kennedy Brown and Taylor Jones both bolted from Oregon State. They'll be going to Duke and Texas respectively. They lose a couple of really key contributors. And USC, this one was a bit of a surprise to me, but USC losing three former five-star athletes, including, we talked about it, Alyssa Peely, but... Miley, how about Jordan Jenkins? She was a member of the 2022 All-Pac-12 team, and she decides to bolt and ends up going to UT San Antonio. Yeah, you bring up Jordan Jenkins, and she was the most improved player of the Pac-12 this past year. We played them pretty close, the two games that Utah did play them, but she was an intricate part of their team and what USC was doing. So to see her go from a high-level Pac-12 to where she decided to go, kind of brings some question as to why she's making the move to transfer when she's playing against some of the best players in the country but 
We'll see what Jordan Jenkins does at UT San Antonio because she was becoming kind of a dominant force in the Pac-12. So with her taking her talents to a lower conference, I'm sure she'll dominate there. So those are some key players leaving the Pac-12 conference. Miley, how about some key players coming into the Pac-12 conference? We've already talked about kind of the movement that has been had with inside the conference. But one player I'm really interested to see is Kayla Williams from UC Irvine, um, a 5'7 guard from Los Angeles, California, could score at will when she was playing with UC Irvine. She's going to come from that conference to the Pac-12 conference to a program that, dare I say, Miley, one of the worst guard play in all of the Pac-12 last year. We mentioned that in both of our broadcasts against USC this year that they had some dominant post players who did literally everything for their team. And then we look at the guard play and it's like, okay, they need someone that can dribble the ball. They need someone that can shoot from the outside. So the addition of Kayla Williams will help that guard play. Another one that was really interesting to me as well. How about Shalexis Aaron coming from Texas Southern from Syracuse, from USC. She has had so many schools that she's bounced around, and she's going to spend her grad transfer year at Oregon State University. Really interested to see she was one of those elite shooters when she was at USC. Now Oregon State, a team that has been very well known for having great three-point shooters on their roster. Shalexis Aaron now going to Corvallis to help Scott Ruick and his team. This is where you kind of bring up the transfer portal and if it's a good thing. I have very strong opinions on the transfer portal, specifically for this reason. You get to play four, maybe five, maybe six with the COVID year, and she's been on four different teams. So for me, you just kind of got to start looking at yourself and inward of what's the problem, because sure, there's going to be problems at every school. There's going to be things that you have to deal with, some drama. You're not going to like the playing time that you get or the situation that you're in, but to me, if I was in a situation, I would try and look at how I could make it better instead of leaving now three programs to come to your fourth program. Kind of interesting. One last player that I find interesting coming to USC, I know we just mentioned them, is Destiny Littleton. She is coming from South Carolina, who won the national championship this year. So we talk about bringing in more good players. This is another high recruit just won the national championship, so she's been at the highest level possible in women's college basketball. Another great addition for USC. All right, Miley, a couple more I want to highlight real quick before we move into the incoming freshmen. How about the transfers coming into Arizona? We'll start with Lauren Fields from Oklahoma State, a 5'9 junior from Shawnee, Oklahoma. Just spent her days with Oklahoma State. And this is a player that is able to score exceptionally well, averaged 15 points a game for OSU. She was also great on the boards as well, averaging just a shade under five rebounds per game. A player that's going to come in and make a difference. Arizona with really only two main players coming back from last year's roster. Lauren Fields should fit in nicely. Also another great looking transfer from West Virginia. How about Esmeri Martinez? She was a 2021 All Big 12 first team performer. She averaged just shy of a double-double last year, Miley. 11 points, 9 rebounds per game. You gotta believe that she's gonna come in and make a big difference for the Wildcats down in Tucson. And one last team I wanna look at is UCLA. On this website that we look at to see who's transferring and who's transferring into what schools, UCLA is one of the few schools in the entire country that doesn't have a single player transferring to them or transferring out from the program. There are 337 schools that have at least one player transferring, 
And in all of Division One, there's 358 schools. So UCLA is one of 21 schools in the entire country that doesn't have a single player transferring out of their program, which I think is incredible, considering how many players utilize that transfer portal now to get out of the situation they're in and find a new program. UCLA has retained all of their players and has everyone coming back next year. So when we look at their incoming freshmen, UCLA has two five-star recruits and two four-star recruits coming in along with two other players as well. So they have six total freshmen that will be on their team next year. But highlighting their incoming freshman class is Kiki Rice. She is a 5'11 point guard out of Washington, D.C. and is the number two 2022 recruit. And to add to that five-star list, Gabriela Jacquez, the number 19 recruit. So they have two top 20 recruits going into their program. Like you said, two top five. But that actually brings us to our next point as we move into the incoming freshman of this upcoming season for the Pac-12. How about of the 21 total five-star recruits, according to Hoop Girls on ESPN, 11 of them will be attending Pac-12 schools next year. That means... 52% of the five-star athletes are going to the Pac-12. Obviously, we know that the Pac-12 conference is considered the conference of champions. We know that women's basketball has been competitive for years. The 2021 National Championship game consisted of Stanford and Arizona, two Pac-12 teams. Stanford yet again made it to the Final Four this last past season. But these incoming recruits kind of prove the point that this is truly the best conference for women's basketball in the entire country. 11 of the 21 five-star athletes will be coming to Pac-12 schools, including the number one recruit in the entire country will be heading to, (laughs) you guessed it, Miley, she's going to Stanford. Lauren Betts will be heading to the Stanford Cardinal, a 6'7 center from Aurora, Colorado. Holy smokes. As if they needed more size to add to that front line. Yeah, that'll be fun watching Cameron Brink and Lauren Betts side by side. They'll probably be able to play at the same time, have a too big lineup, and that will not be a fun defense to play against at all. (laughs) How about the number six recruit in the country, according to Hoop Girls at ESPN? Tamia Gardner, a player that you and I had an opportunity of broadcasting back in March as her team made it to the as her team made it to the 6A Girls Championship game, you and I were able to broadcast for the first time ever on TV that state championship game. Her team fell to Lone Peak in the championship game, but she was quite a dominant force in that game as well, and she's going to take her talents up to Oregon State. I know you know a little bit about Tamia Gardner and what you believe she's going to be able to bring to Corvallis. Yeah, Tamia's a 6-1 forward, but she also has a soft touch from the outside. So when you look at Oregon State's roster, Scott Ruick always recruits tall, long, and lanky girls to come to his program. So Tamia will fit right in being that 6-1 forward, but she will also be able to stretch the core out as she is able to hit threes. She will be heading to Oregon State from Plain City, Utah, which is a nice hop, skip, and jump away from where we currently are right now. I do know that she was very, very highly recruited. She decided to choose Oregon State, so it will be a lot of fun, especially when she comes back to visit whenever Oregon State plays Utah. you got to believe that she's going to bring a nice crowd to the Huntsman Center to watch her play uh, whenever Oregon State takes on the Utes. Finally, Miley, the last recruit that I want to discuss before we end today is the number eight recruit in the country, a 5'9 point guard from Las Vegas, Aaliyah Gales, who back in mid-April, it was reported that she had suffered gunshot wounds. Story later came out that, Miley, she had been shot 10 times at a party in Las Vegas. 
After the news came out that Aaliyah had been shot, Trojans head coach Lindsey Gottlieb came out in support of Aaliyah, in support of her scholarship and how excited she still is to have her come to her program. She said that Aaliyah is quite simply a unique and special young person who worked hard in every aspect to become a Trojan. It is these characters It is these characteristics that, in her recent times of extreme trial, have allowed her to survive and will ensure that she continues to thrive. Aaliyah is a part of the USC family, and we could not be more proud to be on this journey with her every step of the way. And what's interesting about this story is that Aaliyah was originally committed to USC. She decommitted once USC got a new coaching staff with Lindsey Gottlieb, but then after she got to know the new coaching staff, she recommitted to USC. So she has been a Trojan through and through. It is cool to see the support that she has from her future teammates and coaching staff. Now, not that it's really any update per se, but Aaliyah Gales, back when the story was written on April 25th, did not have feeling in her legs. It does look as though as about a week ago that she was able to move her abs. Now, again, I know that's not much of an update, but at least it goes to show that she was shot 10 times, able to survive it, and she wants to make a full recovery and hopes to at least at some point wear that USC uniform. Now, as we finish with the incoming freshmen, we already mentioned that there are 21 five-star recruits and 11 of them are coming to Pac-12 schools. And then as we look down the entire list of ranked recruits, 23 of the top 100 recruits, according to the ESPN Hoop Girls, are coming to the Pac-12. So, like you mentioned, this is the Conference of Champions, and many have said that this past year was a down year, just in regards to the performance of the Pac-12, especially in the NCAA tournament. So it is exciting to see that there are 23 top recruits in the country coming to the Pac-12, hopefully get that reputation back of being the best conference in the country. So that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so very much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed as Miley and I went through kind of some key recruits coming in, some key transfers coming into the Pac-12 as well. I know it gets you and I excited, Miley, to be able to see this upcoming season as you will be my broadcast partner coming into the next year. Really excited for that, to see some great talent on the floor as well, not just wearing the Utah uniform, but also all throughout the Pac-12 conference. Now, next week, we'll begin our series of when Miley and I will sit down with those in the Utah program, whether it be former players, whether it be current players, whether it be members of the staff. We will start that next week as we still have to button down who exactly that first person is going to be. But a quick reminder, each and every single Monday, we'll try to get an episode out to you. So please make sure to tune in each and every single episode. Thank you so very much for tuning in. For Miley Enger, I am Tyson Ewing. This is the What You Need to Know podcast.